We're in Psalm 105, verse 37 to verse 45. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up. If you have your phones, good luck with that. But uh, let's move ahead and uh, let's hear what the word of the Lord has to say to us this morning. Then he brought Israel out with silver and gold, and there was no one among their tribes who stumbled. Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. They asked and he brought quails and gave them food from heaven in abundance. He opened the rock and water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river, for he remembered his holy promise and Abram, his servant. So he brought his people out with joy. His chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations. They took possession of the wealth of the peoples that they might keep his statutes and observe his law. Praise the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord for the people of God. God. Has life turned out for you exactly the way you imagined it would? Everybody's laughing. I kind of thought some people might go, yeah, I think so, maybe. I mean, think about it for a second. Do we really, does life really turn out exactly the way we imagine? I mean, when we grow up, we dream about, I don't know, what castles and beautiful weddings. I don't know about the guys. And one day, you know, maybe your work or your career. We have all these dreams that we have in life. And as life unfolds and as we journey through life, we kind of stop and we go, I'm not sure this is the way I thought my life would unfold. I mean, let's be really honest. How does a country boy from South Africa end up in Houston, Texas? The Lord only knows how I got here. But I couldn't in my wildest dreams ever have thought that I would find myself right here at this place at this time. In fact, never in my life did I think I would call Texas my home. I'm glad to be here. But nothing really seems to turn out the way we want it to turn out. That seems to be the story of our lives. If we think about the Israelites as well, did things turn out for them exactly the way they thought they would turn out? When they were in, in, in Egypt, they started off, they weren't slaves originally, then they became slaves. And then Moses comes and he says, we're going to go for freedom. And they're like, we're not sure we want this freedom that you're talking about. Where are we going to go? We're going to go to the promised land. That sounds wonderful. We're going to go to the wilderness. That does not sound wonderful. What are we going to do in the wilderness? Why are we going into the desert? We don't want to go into the desert. I mean, all these kind of things. You have freedom from slavery, but I'm not sure in their heads they fully imagine that this is exactly what we want for our lives. We're going to leave this place of slavery. We're going to take this oppression, cast it off, and then suddenly we're going to walk out and go from slavery to desert. I mean, if they wrote the script and Moses said, hey guys, we're all going to go spend 40 years walking around the desert. Who would like to come along for the ride? I think it might have been a tough, a tough sell. And the truth is, that's exactly what we see happening as well. In Exodus chapter 16, it says, uh, verses 2 and 3, the whole congregation of the Israelites, they've come out 
If you understand Exodus chapter 16, we go back to chapter 15, go back to chapter 14, chapter 13, 14, we see the Passover back at maybe 12, 13, 14, the Red Sea opens up. At the end of 14, there's this incredible scripture, and they believed in the Lord, and they believed in Moses, and they had faith. Chapter 15, it's like they sing the song of Moses, how God has delivered them and taken them out of Egypt. We're 9.15, remember, that's not a long way to go. We don't even finish chapter 15, and they're like, oh, we've got bitter water. What are we going to do with this bitter water? Now we've got bitter water, we've got to deal with this. We know the You've heard the, the, the term or the name for God called Jehovah, my healer, the Lord, my healer. That comes from chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15, where, where there is, there's this bitter water and God says, well, if you're going to be obedient, I will be your healer. But right there, they've walked out of, they've just, they've cast off slavery and now they've walked into the desert. And the first thing to welcome them is bitter water, drought, dryness, what they're going to do. A miracle starts. That's chapter 15. The end of chapter 15, we have a miracle. The beginning of chapter 16, the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and ate our full of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Isn't it incredible? Not quite the way they thought things were going to work out. We paint a picture of exactly how we believe things should be. In fact, we paint a picture of how we believe things, well, the way we want things to be, the way we really desire them to be, our preferences. But then when that doesn't happen, and this is what happens so often when people come to faithfulness, people come to church, God's going to do this for me. This is what God's going to do for me. This is what I think is going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, we question the faithfulness of God. We question the authenticity of our faith. And a lot of people lose their faith when things don't work out the way we want them to work out. Now, Psalm 105 is an interesting psalm. In Psalm 105, it's actually a psalm of praise. Now, we have the Israelites walking out of Egypt into the wilderness, and Psalm 105 is looking back and saying, hey, something happened. Something powerful happened. Isn't it incredible to see what God has done? The first three verses of chapter of 100, Psalm 105 say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known His deeds among the peoples, sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wonderful works, glory in His holy name, that the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Doesn't sound like the Israelites in chapter, Exodus chapter 16, does it? Let's rejoice in the Lord. You brought us here to die. We're not singing that song. Somebody else write a song. Take the psalmist and fire him. He's been dismissed. Take him to the edge of the cliff and keep him walking. We don't want him here anymore. But isn't it, a, I mean, different perspectives. This is not what we expected. But looking back, something looks different. The psalmist sees something. So what can we learn from the psalm? I'm going to give you three quick points. And uh, the first is this. Wilderness experiences are part of our faith journey. I hate to say this, and I, some of you probably didn't want to come to church this morning to hear this. You wanted me to tell you how wonderful you are. You were hoping maybe by some rare chance I could have given you the lottery numbers for this week and something would have happened in your life. That's not going to happen. No lottery numbers this morning or next week or probably for the rest of your lives in church. 
But I am going to tell you this morning, your faith journey will have a wilderness experience. You will find that you go through hard times in your faith. It's not something we want to hear, but it's something we have to know, we have to understand. If you live in this world, you will find hardship. There will be hardship in this world. If we think, for example, just, just stop for a second. The Israelites, the Jewish people, they were God's chosen people. They are God's chosen people. Yet, as God's chosen people, they are the people of God. They come from a place where Abraham goes to a land where he has no land of his own. Then because of famine, they end up as exiles in Egypt. Then they end up in slavery. From slavery, they end up in the wilderness. From the wilderness, they go to the promised land. They say, here's our promised land. What's the first thing we need to do? The first thing we need to do is like attack a city and get into this place because this gift that God gave us has got some pretty stiff wrapping on it. We need to fight some battles, get in the promised land. Then they back into exile, then they back, then they back into exile. And then there's war, there's all sorts of things going on all the time. People are, are, we know even from the Jewish people, they continue to go through persecution and hardship, yet they're called the people of God. If we think about that for a second, we, we can go into the Scriptures and have a look at the Apostle Paul. If we think about the Apostle Paul, quite honestly, he's probably like the guy who wrote the New Testament. If there was a man who knew God, there's a man who was walking with God, there's a man who was tight with God. Yet you cannot paint an accurate picture of the Apostle Paul without understanding that his life was kind of stooped in persecution. In fact, he writes a whole, a whole passage, I think it's in 2 Corinthians. These are the things that I have endured and the things that I have overcome. And these are the things that I continue to work with and work through. Jesus is the Son of God, and yes, He had to go through so much. As the Son of God, He is, he, he is favored. He's walking with the Father. There's so much that's going on in His life. Yet, yet he, he has to walk a journey of opposition, persecution. He comes to his own, his own do not know him. And then he goes all the way to the cross where he is crucified and he's martyred. He's killed by people. Injustly, unjustly, he gets to a place where people kill him. And yet as his followers, we say, I'm stepping into the faith and I'm never going to have any opposition, never going to have any persecution. Nothing is ever going to go wrong with me. It's all going to be fine for the rest of my life. It's going to be great. No, wilderness experiences are part of our faith journey. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fairy ordeal that is taking place among you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. We go through these tests, we go through these trials, we go, I can't believe it's happening to me. No, don't be surprised. Something strange. He's saying... It's not strange. It's normal. We should expect these kind of things in our lives, especially for those that follow Christ and follow Christ's ways. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering so that you may also be glad and shout for joy when His glory is revealed. We must understand wilderness experiences, going through those dry places. That is a part of what we do. That is a part of our journey. Whether we like it or not, if we choose to follow Jesus, we will go through those times. But here's an interesting thing. 1 Peter chapter 4 is basically telling us that that opposition is because we're followers of Christ. Okay? But what about when we go through hardship and opposition when it's not about following Christ? What happens when the economy kind of like, the economy tanks and you go into recessions, those kind of things, and people go like, we go like, 
but hang on a minute. I'm not enduring hardship because of my faith now. I'm enduring hardship because other people are making bad decisions. What happens when you experience drought and a place experience drought or a natural disaster? And we think about it for a second. If a hurricane comes through, thank the Lord for the season so far. Amen. We are grateful. Not only for us, but for many other people. Is it some kind of thing where the hurricane comes through and all the Christians like sit in their houses and go, hey, life is good. Look at this. Hey, let's go fly a kite. And all the non-Christians are like, oh, my house is wrecked and there's water everywhere and the roof is blown off and a tree's taken out my car. And we're like, yeah, you see, you should go to church because if you go to church, you can see all the Christian houses. They're all standing there. And all the non-Christian houses, they're all wrecked. It's there. It's done. It doesn't work like that. We know that. Because we live in a world where this is a part of what we have. And, and this is something. We live in a world that is tainted by sin and consequently, bad things do happen to good people. Bad things happen to people who follow Christ as well. Because we live in a world like this. But here's the thing. We don't always have a problem when bad things happen to bad people. We kind of feel like it's justice, right? Am I right? It's okay. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. We're supposed to love everybody, but sometimes we go like, you deserved that. I saw how you were driving. You came past me. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know what we do struggle with is when we are faithful to God and we serve Him day in, day night, day out. We get up every morning, we pray and we love God. We faithfully go to church we faithfully give and we, we're serving and we're involved. And even though we are faithful to God, bad things happen to us. Then we feel a sense of injustice. And quite honestly, if you lived like a pagan and something bad happened, you'd probably walk away saying, I probably deserve that. But somehow in our own sense of self-righteousness and entitlement in the faith, we feel like somehow... We're going to be immune to all the challenges of this world. And we're not. Because sin is in this world and that means that bad things happen to good people. Terrible things happen to incredibly beautiful people. And yes, there's an injustice in that. But we need to understand that no matter where we find ourselves, life does not always turn out the way we want it to. And as we journey through life, there will be dry seasons, there will be wilderness seasons. So what do we do with that? Second point. I said I was going to be quick. I might have lied. <laughs> we find God in the wilderness. We all have to go through wilderness experiences, but the thing with people who follow Christ is that we are not spared from the drought, we're not spared from the recessions, we're not spared from the challenges, but we are promised the presence of God in those times. And so when you stand next to your neighbor and both your houses look like they've just been hit by a hurricane because they have, there's something that you have which maybe your neighbor doesn't have, and that is the peace and the presence of God. You have the faithfulness of God. In Luke chapter 1, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, 
Jesus has just been baptized in, in, in chapter 3, verse 22, 23. He's been baptized. The power of the Spirit has come upon him. Then you go to Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the desert. So Jesus has to go into the wilderness. Part of his journey is in the wilderness. But here's the thing. Wait for a second. He, he doesn't have to go alone. He doesn't have to say, it's not like the Holy Spirit stood on the edge of the desert and said, hey, Jesus, there's the desert. You need to go, and I'm not going in there. You're on your own. Holy Spirit's going, I'm this side. I'll wait for you, see how you go, and if you do okay, Holy Spirit's waiting for you. We'll pick up where we left off. No, Jesus goes into the, Holy, in, into the desert, but he gets to go with the presence of God. I, I don't know. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people walk through the deserts, the challenges, the trials, and the tribulations of life without God. How do you go into the desert without Jesus? How do you, I don't know, how do you find strength? How do you manage to overcome some of the most incredible difficulties in life without God? We don't have to because God is with us. God was with the Israelites in the wilderness. We see in the beginning, He leads them out. They have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. There was the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. There was water that came from the rock. He gave them water when they needed water. There was quail. There was manna. We see that in chapter 16 of Exodus as well. Throughout their journeys, they were not spared of the hardships but they were given provision and the presence of God in their hardships and that's an important thing for us to remember in Deuteronomy 1 verses 30 to verse 31 this is one of the great if you think I preach long Moses preached like 31 chapters in Deuteronomy I'm doing okay all right so 31 chapters this is Moses farewell speech it's a big speech it's written down he says basically I'm going to go up to a mountain I'm going to die on that mountain and you're going to go into the promised land now don't forget God this is his farewell speech but right in the beginning he says this the Lord your God verse uh, chapter 1 verses 30 31 the Lord your God who goes before you is the one who will fight for you just as look back he did in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you just as one carries a child all the way that you traveled until you reached this place. The Lord your God is with you and he will go before you. We may not be spared the wilderness, but we are promised the presence of God to help us navigate those wilderness seasons. And that's an important thing for us to understand. Yes, we go through the wilderness, but we are not alone. God is with us. Let me give you a third point here, and this is an important thing for us. God's faithfulness is often clearest when we look back. <clears throat> God's faithfulness is often clearest when we look back. The thing about Psalm 105 is Psalm 105 is a looking back. Psalm 105 is not in the middle of the desert, waking up in the morning, going to Moses, saying, where is the bread today? Where is the food? Where is the quail? This water is bitter. These people are attacking us. None of that stuff was happening. They, Psalm 105 is looking back and saying, wow, isn't it incredible what God did? 
When you're in it, it's difficult to see it. But when you look back, it's so much easier to see it. And we need to understand that. In Psalm 105, verse 37, the psalmist basically says, God brought them out. He brought them out among of Egypt. Not one of them stumbled. He gave them a cloud for covering, fire for night and light for night. He brought quail. He gave them food from heaven. He opened the rock and water gushed out. I don't know where you are today and I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself in a hard place because life is not always easy. And maybe you find yourself like the Israelites walking out your tent and trying to figure out and make sense of what you're going to do today, what you're going to do tomorrow, and how you're going to figure things out this week. Maybe you're in a place of peace and blessing and you can look back and say, God has been good to me. But we all do experience wildernesses in our lives and we all do go through hard times. And my encouragement to you today is this, is if you're going through a wilderness experience, know that God is with you. And know that one day when you look back, you will know that God was with you. We can choose, every single one of us, right now, we can stop and we can choose the perspective we take on our lives. Are you where you want it to be? Maybe not. Did life turn out the way you want it to turn out? Maybe not. Have you made some really dumb decisions? Like everybody else, yes. Amen? Are there consequences? Yes. But if we stop and we look back at some of those really tough things that we've been through and you choose not to see the hunger before the manna, but to see the manna after the hunger. Not to see the bitter water, but to see the sweet water. Not to see the drought, but to see the, the water flowing from the rock. You see, we can, we can tell the story the way we choose to. We can choose to say, well, you know, God brought us out the wilderness. When we walked out the wilderness, He takes us out. He says to us, we are now going to go out into the promised land. What do we find? The first thing we find is a big sea. There's a sea. How are we supposed to get over the sea? Anyway, He deals with that. See how you can brush over those things? And then we get to this water, bitter water. I don't know how we're going to live. I have no idea how we survived that place. God takes us. We get to this place. There's bitter water. We have no idea. Then we wake up. There's no food. Where are you supposed to find food in the desert? I have no idea where you find food in the desert. And then he gives us food. And you know what he does? For 40 years, we have the same food. <laughs> now, you can choose to tell it that way. Or you can say, in his grace, there was a big obstacle. And you cannot believe the way he opened the seas up. I mean, it wasn't just that he opened the sea. It was dry land. Not one person stumbled walking across there. A whole army of Egyptian soldiers probably till today lie at the bottom of that, 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 that body of water. They dared. They didn't make it. We made it. And you know, there were, we had problems. We all had, we had problems along the way. But you know, when there was thirst, He gave us water. When we were hungry, He fed us. The sandals on our feet, they never wore out. It was like a miracle. I kept thinking, I got a week left. I got a month left. I got a year left. They never wore out. We just kept going. But you choose how you tell your story. You choose how you see your life. You choose to see the problems that the world brings and to highlight those. Or you choose to see the provision, the grace, the blessing, 
of God in every season. I wrote one or two things down that I've seen in my life. I've seen the closeness of the Holy Spirit. In very trying times, the Spirit who draws near to me, and I know He's drawn near to you too. I've seen very small miracles that when I look back, I think to myself, was that really coincidence? And you think, yeah, no, no, yes, no, that can't be coincidence. I've looked back and I've seen as I've sat on my bed and I've read the scriptures how a passage would just jump out at me and just take a hold of my heart and go, wow, this is for me, this is now, this is something that I could hold on to, like a rock, like a foundation. Do you know what I've seen as well? I've seen, and I'm pretty sure many of you can do this today as well, you can look around this room and you can see people who have carried you spiritually in love, in care, and in tenderness. Because you were never supposed to journey alone, He gave you a family, and we are a family today. If we take the time to stop and take a closer look, we're likely to see the faithfulness of God in those wilderness seasons of our lives. I want us to kind of draw things to a close. And what I'm going to do is I want us to take a moment. And we're going to go into just a time of prayer where we can just bow our heads and just come before God. And I want you to do one or two things. Maybe you're in a very good place today. That's fantastic. But I know that maybe there was a time in your life when you went through a wilderness season. I want you to stop and think about that for a second. And I want you to see the faithfulness of God as you walk through that season. Identify it. Say, when this happened, I felt like this. But God was faithful because I saw this. I saw friends. I saw the Holy Spirit. I saw the fellowship of believers. Maybe identify two or three things and then quietly on your own, say, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Even as the psalmist said, thank you, we say thank you. Maybe today you're going through a wilderness experience. But maybe today we can pray for you, love to pray for you. But maybe today you need to stop and just reflect on where you're at. And maybe the biggest thing in your mind right now are the obstacles. And the obstacles are so big that it's blinding you to the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Why don't you just take a moment to see the obstacles and then maybe to see the grace of God as He's carrying you in this very season. Let's just be quiet before the Lord for about a minute and let's thank God. Let's pray together.